with that yawn <laughs> let's start we're gonna lock ourselves okay. inside nicholas's cage Boom. we're locked in it's warm it's dark get me out it's wet <laughs> sticky trapped. cage is somewhere trapped in the in the bowels we've trapped him in our, in our cage cage's cage um yeah welcome to nicholas's cage um this is the podcast where we both talk about his movies and cages sometimes stranger than fiction in real life uh sorry if i sound weird i have a cold i might cough and sneeze and sniffle sorry if i'm just all over the place yeah i'm very tired and alice is very tired she's had a very busy week um she's a lady about town i'm surprised you're not too good to talk to me with all your your followers uh, now <laughs> <laughs> no, they, uh, they mustn't know i'm an anonymous <laughs> floating head yeah just imagine me it's um i listen to this one podcast that's like all about like politics and one of the ladies is like she works for the government so she can't say who she is so that (laughs) could be so funny that could be you our anonymous uh alice is not her real name or is it or is it or is it not oh you'll never just call me uh kal-el 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 electric boogaloo (laughs) um yeah so Welcome to Nicholas Cage. If you've never listened before, we are going to talk about a uh, Nicholas Cage movie that we've seen uh, this week. Well, not this week, but we've seen it. We saw watched it a couple weeks ago, and um, I'm going to connect it with uh, a little uh, slice of Cage's personal life. This one was actually surprisingly easy. When I first was like, "Oh God, we have to do that movie. What the heck am I going to connect it to?" Um, so the movie we watched is um, 1999's Bringing Out the Dead with Martin Scorsese, another one of uh, Cage's uh, big directors he's worked with. Scorchese. 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 Fun fact, even before we get into it, um, the two voices that you hear in the ambulance, uh, Queen Latifah, which I called out at the time. 6-2 Young, I don't have time for your games. Now answer me, or do I have to come out there myself? Oh, Sookie, Sookie now. I was like, wait a minute. That boy sounds like Queen Latifah. I know what Queen Latifah yeah. sounds like. <laughs> um, and the other one was Martin Scorsese himself. Uh, the one that with, like, the super New York accent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The Duke of Drunk, the King of Stink, our most frequent flyer, Mr. O. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about ni- 1999's Bring Out the Dead, and this one was easy to find because... In the movie, Cage's co-star is Patricia Arquette, and they were actually married. They were the first marriages to each other. Did that was they Cage's first meet wife. on set, or did they know each other before? Well, I'll get into that, Alice. Okay. So I'm going to get uh, give you all the details about their relationship, and then um, first we're going to talk about the movie, and then I'll give you the details okay. of the relationship. So up top, I'm just going to start with a basic plot overview that I just got off Google. Um, so I didn't write this. Um, quote, after a disheartening and haunting career wears him down, New York City paramedic Frank Pierce, that's Cage, begins to collapse under the strain of saving lives and witnessing deaths. Through the course of a few nights, three co-workers, John Goodman, Ving Rhames, and Tom Sizemore, accompany Pierce as he grabs for, grasps for sanity and pushes to be fired. Before Pierce falls off the edge, he still has a hope when he forms a friendship with the victim's daughter, Patricia Arquette. So, 
like I said, we watched this movie actually a couple weeks ago. I did not remember that we even watched this movie. Like, I, it, it, like I, and then when I remembered, I was like, I don't remember anything about this movie. So doing the research for this today was like the only, like some of it came back to me, but. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I remember watching the movie and really loving it. Yeah. But it made no impact on me after Afterwards. the fact. It's like other movies that I really loved, yeah. I would like think about, think about them like mm-hmm. a week after. But with this one, it's like, I cannot remember why. I, ca- I can remember why I liked it, but I can't really remember any plot points of the film. Yeah. It didn't really leave a, a big impression on me, but I remember I liked it. Yeah, and I actually I remember it. talking about it at the time too, because I think you liked it and I kind of wasn't crazy about it. And even now... <clears throat> thinking about it like um just kind of how like adaptation was opposite where I wasn't like I didn't think it was I obviously don't think it's a bad movie you know it's it's a fine movie um but then the more that I thought about adaptation the more I looked up about it I was like you know what, I like this a little bit more and then but but this one it's still not I mean maybe I need to watch it again I don't know but it just didn't like nothing hit me about the movie it's another kind of like man uh, descending into madness film. Well, that's why I like it because yeah. it's another like I guess that's my favorite genre <laughs> we've established. Which I don't not like that genre. It's just like I think Cage has done better descending into madness. I like I liked it because it was like, it was kind of. I don't know. It reminded me of like because I watched that. Um, if anyone's seen that Netflix series, Shot in the Dark, where it's like those people the that photographers? are like. Yeah, oh. it's like those photographers that like follow disasters. The, yeah. They like follow like, like Jake Gyllenhaal movie. It's like they show you like what paramedics like mm-hmm. see on a daily basis and like how stressful it is. And mm-hmm. I was like, it was interesting thinking that like, yeah, like you must be kind of messed up to be able to yeah. deal with that kind of stress and that kind of horror on yeah. like a daily basis. Yeah, and like it was interesting like writing a story or thinking of a story of a character that does that because I never that. really like considered that yeah and he does the graveyard do shift that. on top of it but in the last year I'd started to lose that control things had turned bad I hadn't saved anyone in months I just needed a few slow nights followed by a couple of days off yeah and he's like completely like an insomniac he's like mm-hmm. losing his mind mm-hmm. like he's got like the ghost of all the people he's seen killed mm-hmm. that just like follow him around mm-hmm. And, like, everyone he tries to save dies. Mm-hmm. He just keeps killing people over yeah. and over again, no matter how Basically, it's like, okay, if you have any other job where you have, like, a bad few weeks, it's not that big of a deal. But he's having a bad few weeks, and that means that, like, literally people, people are, dying. are dying. And he's doing... It's not because he's incompetent or anything like that. He's doing, like, it's absolutely everything he can. He just... Yeah. And this is kind of, like, wearing on him. Um, I think this is definitely a movie I could have watched when I was in film school and have written, like, a really like, you know, head up my ass, like, <laughs> overly smart, uh, like, 10-page essay about it, because there's a lot of, like, talking discussion points about it. Mm. Um, but I don't... It just didn't, like, hit me. Like, I didn't really connect with the characters. Obviously, obviously, I thought Cage was amazing. And actually, his acting in this, I almost thought, was better than leaving Las Vegas? Like, he was surprisingly subtle in this movie. He was good, yeah. He was really good. I thought he was really, really good. Um... Do and we, it's do like we I think that his it. hair was the best in this. Yes, one? I can't remember. I'm so glad you remembered. Rank, rank his hair. We were gonna say yes for once. Cage doesn't have a weird hair, haircut. This actually, like, literally, when within the first five minutes, I was like, "That's the best his hair has ever looked." And he's like playing someone who hasn't slept in weeks and like <laughs> is literally losing his mind. Is like you know so sick and it's horrible. Like it suits him. But he like that's the best he's ever looked. Does it? 
he doesn't have an accent either. No, he doesn't have an accent, and he is surprisingly subtle. Like, his, even his, like, freakouts in the movie aren't, you know, these big, over-the-top cage freakouts. He's still I think maybe cage. he was like, well, I'm in a Scorsese film, so I yeah. have to... I don't know. Be... I don't even know if it's that anymore. I think it's more so, like, it depends on the director what the context of it, they can get out of him. Yeah, because if they just say, okay, just go balls to the wall, then he's just gonna go balls to the wall, like, completely. But I think Scorsese had a good mix of working with him where it was like stuff that stuff that was really subtle and kind of like underplayed and then where he ramps back up. And... In the last year, I'd come to believe in such things as spirits leaving the body and not wanting to be put back. Spirits angry at the awkward places death had left them. I feel like it was the kind of film that I like, I really like in theory and I like... Mm. Yes. story but it's not a fun watch no. like i wouldn't watch it again no. actually I, I probably would i would watch it again just because i feel like i must have not paid attention yeah to i kind of do want to watch it again just to give it another chance it's but... it's a it's a hard watch because it's like such a like, like i kept thinking like this is my nightmare like this yeah. job mm. this like character that they've created in nick cage must these people must exist somewhere someone's living this life yeah and that was like stressing me out just thinking yeah. that like imagine if that was my life <laughs> yeah because basically what i read was like one article was saying like he's you know the whole thing is that he's addicted to the high that he gets from yeah, saving lives adrenaline, yeah but the job that he does and does well and that like provides him that like high saving someone's life is like falling in love the best drug in the world you know when it's going bad it's like all, at the same time it's just completely killing his soul yeah, it felt like very Scorsese in the fact that like everyone is kind of like terrible, terrible, <laughs> and like it it did make you think that like I never really considered that you know people in the like medical business and like helping mm -hmm. saving lives could be like fucked up people, but oh, it's yeah. like when you think about it, like in in the film, there's loads of like people that are psychopaths because it's literally. <laughs> They're addicted to the adrenaline rush of saving a person's life, but they don't actually care about the person. No, it's yeah. more of a competition, like, yeah. thrill kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they're, like, beating the shit out of people, and they're terrible people, but they save people's yeah. lives. So it's like, I can imagine... It's like imagine... that Ted Bundy thing, where he yeah, worked in the suicide hotline, so oh, on like, the one yeah, hand, yeah. he actually did save a lot of lives, probably. Because it's, then... it's out of, like, a weird, you know, you like, thrill, but it's not... Yeah, it's like it's, there's no empathy going on there, and it's mm. like, yeah, a, a, a job that high stress mm. would kind of attract like crazy psychopaths, people. and like mm. same with like when I think of surgeons, like mm. you gotta, mm. like they're good people doing good but things, still cutting people open, but at the end of the there's day. gotta be some out there that <laughs> yeah. are doing it because of some kind of oh, psychopathic like the, power like, thing, yeah, yeah, and it's like, yeah, if you're like Praise. a paramedic that's just like, I don't know addicted to going out all night mm -mm. like trying to save lives i guess the only way to like survive that kind of you know without getting so caught up in all the people the emotion of these yeah. people dying is you have to be a bit like sociopathic you know you have to be detached you have to be a bit uh, different in the head in order to deal with that kind of stuff so. definitely these spirits were part of the job it was impossible to pass a building that didn't hold a ghost of something. The eyes of a corpse, the screams of a loved one. All bodies leave their mark. You cannot be near the newly dead without feeling it.
And it was it was interesting subject matter. I really like the subject matter. Yeah, I like the idea of it. It's just I don't know. This is what I mean. Like, I feel like I could write a really good essay about this movie, but it wasn't like I'm, it, it's not something that I like. You know, told. Yeah, oh, I just like saw, a saw a great movie. movie you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even. And it's because I think it's not the the best out of the two. So I don't think it's like the best descending into madness Nick Cage film, and I also no. don't think it's the best descending into madness Scorsese movie. I mean, Taxi Driver. Yeah, hello. Yeah. Like this is basically like. And there's no like good Nick Cage like. Mm-mm. moment Mm-mm. I don't know I can't remember like a good like freak out that felt like no, oh or, this is a cage or certain yeah but um yeah I don't know and also too I thought it was a little weird and I actually when I read more into it it explained why but when I was watching the movie I thought it was strange that like okay they, the, the movie was set in Manhattan and I didn't grow up in a big city or in a like you know a low income area of a big city so I have no idea what like that area of Manhattan is like but it was the 90s and it was just like so hellish. It was just like, what the heck is going on here? Like, why is everything so horrible? Because it's Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, but actually, apparently, the movie set um, like in the early 90s or whatever, which is before Giuliani, the mayor, uh, like a former mayor of New York, like cleaned up the city and like got rid of a lot uh, of the crime and stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of how it was back then. I don't know, but it, it, it just at the time, it just felt not believable to me, so it kind of felt like I was watching, like, Batman, like, you know, like, Gotham City, like, some made-up, like, place where there's just crime all the time, and yeah, just crazy yeah. people everywhere, and blah, blah, Um, but, uh, this movie was really well-received, uh, but it's interesting because we're saying all of this where it, like, didn't really stick with us, and we didn't think about it afterwards, and it was really, really well-received by critics, but the box office wasn't good, so, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, so it was kind of forgettable yeah it's like critically i like it and i critically i i get what he was trying to do Mm -hmm. but it's just entertainment wise i don't know if i was like i just enjoying the like experience and i like too like reading about it like the whole structure of it was cool like this all the whole story is kind of set across three nights and he has three different uh paramedic partners each night and each one is a little bit different in a crazy way um they're all kind of nuts but in like different ways making me nuts is that what you're trying to do? Drag me down a nut still with you? I mean, I liked all of that, and I liked his relationship with Patricia Arquette, who was, like, the daughter of... Um, I don't even remember her in the film. I don't remember she was in the film at yeah, all. Yeah, she was the daughter of the guy that had the heart attack. And then remember... Um, oh, yeah, I like he, how it ends. Like, yes. the ending, I thought, ending was amazing. He it. can't sleep the whole movie, and basically... Spoilers. Yeah, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, he can't sleep the whole movie, and Patricia Arquette's dad, who he, like who had a heart attack or something like that, and he saved and took to the hospital and is, like, basically hanging on by a thread. And then Cage starts hearing him in his head, the guy, the man, saying, kill me, kill me, take me off the, you know, the respiratory, and I don't want to live like this, because they keep bringing him back to life. And then he finally takes him off the machines or whatever, and he dies. And then he goes to Patricia Arquette's apartment, and they, and he finally sleeps. No one asked you to suffer. That was your idea. Yeah, like I felt like it was a good resolution because his whole thing is that he's like addicted to saving lives, but mm. he keeps killing people, and he can't seem to save anyone. Mm. But then at the end, he finds nope. salvation, yeah. like saving someone through killing them. Mm-mm-mm. You know, so yeah. it's like he can he can come come to terms with the fact that, they, that he's killed someone, someone and, and it feels like a win. You know, yeah. We're all dying, Mary Burke. Um, which again, like. That's what I'm saying. Like, I could have smashed out a great essay about this yeah. movie back in the day. 
But um, yeah, it just didn't like. It's not. It's not a bad movie. That's what I'm saying. It's not a bad movie. It's not a bad it's movie. Not but compared great. to all the other Cage movies, and compared to all those Scorsese movies, I mean, Scorsese yeah, yeah. has done some really amazing stuff. And um, not that this wasn't bad. It's just I don't know. Um, I just wish I could have connected to the film a little bit more. Uh, just because. Even even at a different time in my life, like when I was a te- like younger in my teen years, when I was really trying to be cool and like, um, you know, be a real cinema buff and like watch all <laughs> these weird, you know, underground movies and movies that you know underrated movies and movies that people like didn't really give a lot of thought to. I would have been like, oh yeah, this is the most underrated Scorsese movie. But then after I got into film school and met like literally hundreds of other assholes like that, I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that anymore. So maybe, I, I don't know. But um, maybe if I had watched it a few years ago, I don't know. But I will say the one thing that did really surprise me in this movie, freaking Mark Anthony, J-Lo's Mark Anthony, played that, um, plays this like drugged out, like crazy crack oh, addict yeah. guy on you the street. Like, That's I was like, I was like halfway through, know. I was like, guys. That's Mark Anthony. And then, like, every time he came on screen, I was just like, that's Mark Anthony. He's so weird. It's weird. He's playing a crack addict. But he was really good. No, I thought that, like, that was just a crack addict. I know. You know? He was, like, he was Oscar. Like, he could have, like, if he got nominated, I wouldn't <laughs> have been surprised. crack addict. Christ's sakes, can I please get a cup of water? Shut up, goddamn something. Oh, All I want is a cup of water. I don't know. He was really good. Um, so just a little um, extra tidbits about the movie. So when Cage's part was written uh, by... I think his first name is Paul, I think. Don't get mad at me. I can't remember and I don't want to look it up. Paul Schrader, I think. Schroeder, Schrader. Um, who's, who did Taxi Driver with Scorsese and other movies. Um, he wrote the script and he actually had Edward Norton in mind to play the part. Which I could see. I feel late like that, 90s. Uh, like, that would have, probably might have been, I feel like that might have been better for that I kind of role. Because it would have been very like. I, I, it's interesting you said that because I actually think it would have been more boring. Really? Yes. I think the only interesting part about the movie is sometimes Cage, just like just the thought of what he's I think it would have been do. more boring, but I think that's almost like he like he fits the role so yes. well. I totally and it is see kind why you of had a boring movie. Like it's kind of a boring movie. Because and I feel it, like that it is would... basically Edward Norton's character who's just like the sad sourpuss that's just always all the time. Like, yeah, it, like he would he would blend into it very well. But, but I, I guess I... Nick Cage gives it a, a like the reason why we watched it. And also too, I think this is the most Lynchian of like Scorsese's movies, like all of the weird cuts and stuff like that he did and all like see him seeing like the ghosts and stuff like around town and hearing people speaking to him and all that stuff. I think it lends well to Cage's like weirdness. Hmm. And um Scorsese, when Scorsese signed on, he actually had Cage in mind from the beginning. So you know. That's interesting that's that, good. you know, the I'm, writer I'm and glad. the director had different Yeah, me too. Tom, where are the band aids? This is an ambulance, isn't it? Um, but it makes sense, too, because this was in 1999, so it was a few years after leaving Las Vegas. Um, like, four years after leaving Las Vegas. He was still kind of, you know, doing his big movies. He was still, like, kind of, like, hot new actor around town. So um, it kind of makes sense why Scorsese might have had him in mind. And he was, t- I think he was, too, like, around that time, like, the go-to actor for, like, weirder stuff. Like, weirder, serious yeah. stuff, you know? Um, and Cage does, like I said, he does a great... Um, uh, job in this movie uh, but I can see why pe- when people talk about like oh Cage's like good movies I, they talk about Leaving Las Vegas and Wild at Heart and Adaptation but they never talk I've never it just heard doesn't, it just doesn't make much of it an just impact it. it's quite it's quite slow paced and it it's is. quite repetitive mm-hmm. like it's just him 
going out on runs. That's exactly and then what I wrote. Asking like, to be fired. Yeah. And then going out on another run it's and then asking repetitive. to be fired. And it's yeah, it just feels like it had a lot of potential to be something, but mm-hmm. it was mm, I don't know about the yeah, something just got I don't know. You swore that you'd fire me if I came in late again. You swore. You swore. I'll fire you tomorrow. Um, but like I said, the critical it had great critical reviews. Um, it had a fifty-five million budget and only barely made seventeen million back at the box oh, office worldwide. Um, so this was the first and sadly only Scorsese Cage uh, film, which is a shame. I think. I think out of all the direct, like all of the all the like great directors Cage has worked with, I would love to see him work with Lynch and Scorsese again. But like Scorsese, like. Oh, I wish we could like go in a time machine and take Scorsese back to like 1975, and he could work with that Scorsese. Yeah, Scorsese. <laughs> Maybe not, not now. Make any... But I would love to see him work with David Lynch again. Yeah. I don't know Twin why Peaks, he doesn't. Twin Peaks season four. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't work <laughs> with him more. Um. Maybe he uh, yelled at him on set or something. Yeah. That's it. I'm in. Uh. Oh, I was also going to say too, because uh, mentioning that, uh, you know, about Taxi Driver and like the plot of Taxi Driver is kind of similar in a way to this movie, where it's just, you know, instead of, you know, Travis Pickle just like running around the street going crazy, it's, you know, Cage in an ambulance. Mm. Um, but uh, I read this article on Spectrum Culture called Criminally Underrated Bringing Out the Dead by Stacia Jones. Uh, <clears throat> who obviously thinks that the movie is really underrated and really great, which I don't really agree with. But she did mention something that um, a lot of people referred to it when it first came out as Taxi Driver Light, mm. which I, I think is kind of a good way to describe the movie if yeah. someone has never seen it. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Like, it is like... I don't know. It's, yeah, it's less engaging it's like than a ca- Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver in the 90s. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's, like, you know, the light version. Yeah. <laughs> Must be my face. My mother always said I look like a priest. Um, so that's kind of really all I had. There wasn't any more like crazy trivia. Or... I tried to find some old uh, articles of like the interviews of Cage, you know, working with Scorsese, but I didn't really find much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine it was that crazy. He wasn't trying to do anything weird with his look or his voice. So I can't imagine they butted heads that often. Yeah, maybe the reason why we don't remember it is because he was too normal in it. He, this was honestly like, the most normal he's ever been he in was just, movie, any movie uh, ever. Just a normal guy that was like tired and actually looked normal. But like that's why when I th- when I like think of the name of the movie, I'm like, whoa, like what what did he look like? Oh yeah, like yeah. just a guy. Just a guy. Like I'm I'm I'm, you know, usually he's got, usually he's got such a strong signature look in <laughs> yeah. each movie. Well, yeah, I mean, who can forget Deadpool with the um, famous uh, bowl cut and mustache? Yeah, yeah. After a while, I grew to understand that my role was less about saving lives than about bearing witness. I was a grief mob. Um, okay, so now we're going to move on. So like I said, in the movie, Cage and Patricia Arquette are co-stars. Um, and um, to answer your question, Alice, they were uh, married when the movie was made. Okay. So, so just gonna get into the detail. Did he like get her the role or something? I or was it a coincidence I to, that they both? Just I tried to look to... that up and I couldn't find it, but I think it was more of a coincidence. Um, so first thing first, because Patricia Arquette is related to David Arquette, and because Courtney Cox from Friends was married to David Arquette for forever, I had to find out if they were, <laughs> if they were both friends. married around the same time. Like <laughs> that was my first thing I had to know. 
And I can, I can say that they were in fact, Nicolas Cage and Monica for Friends were loosely related at one point in time in the late 90s. They would make a good couple. I'd like, hmm. I'd like to see them. That would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, she does like kind of weirder guys. I mean, David Arquette is a weirdo. Yeah. Um, so, uh, David and Courtney married in 1999 and Cage and, Pat- and Patricia Arquette were married from 95 to 2000. So there was like a little sliver of a window from 1999 to 2000 that they were literally interacted with each other. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? What's his name? I be banging. What you mean I be banging? I be banging. What the hell kind of name is I be banging? I don't know his real name. Frederick Smith. Um, but okay, back to Cage. So, like I said, they were already married when they did the film together. Um, I'm not sure how she got involved, but they were great in it together, I thought. So, I'm glad, you know, I mean it worked out. She made no impact on me in that <laughs> film. I didn't even remember her being in it. I couldn't picture what she looked like in that film she's got the blonde hair and she had like you know she's like the ex-drug addict whatever she's always smoking outside the hospital yeah 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 okay so um their whole relationship story is actually really really cute like surprisingly adorable like really cute so you know just prepare yourself it's not weird it's not creepy it's not full of like snakes and stuff it's 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 good i wash my face with three kinds of soap each smelling like a different season. So a dojo. Yeah. Late night. <laughs> she was his sensei. And at midnight, you know. <laughs> um, no. So Cage actually first met uh, Patricia Arquette when she was 18. He was 23, so it's not like when he married his third wife and she was 19 and he was like in his 30s or 40s or something like that. Um, they met, first met in 1987 and they met in what a uh, paper magazine describes as Jewish heaven. A.K.A. Cantor's Deli in L.A. Um, so within a few hours of meeting uh, that day, Cage proposed. <laughs> I feel like I've heard about Cantor's Deli before. Mm. I feel like someone's told me about that before. Maybe it was on like an episode of like Man vs. Food or something. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember. I've definitely gone Maybe somewhere Maybe I've have... heard Nick Cage talk about Cantor's Deli well, Yeah, apparently before. he used to go here a lot, so Maybe. I don't know if he still does. I don't know. But, um... Yeah, so Cage, literally within a few hours of meeting her that day, proposed to her. And Patricia Arquette was like, uh, no. <laughs> um, but that's really cute, I think. But but she liked his passion, right? So she's Aww. kind of interested in how, like, he was so passionate. So she decided to make him, of, like, this crazy list of, like, artifacts and different, I don't know, items. And challenged him to find them for her. And if he could, then she would go out with him. And so, and like, she didn't actually think he was going to do any of the things. He was, she was just sort of, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, she's 18. He, lo- like, he loves whatever. that shit, though. Uh, like, I know. Like, she had no idea. He's like, finally. This is yes. literally like real life national treasure. <laughs> I've got to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, she, so the, some of the things on the list that I saw were J.D. Salinger's autograph, a black orchid, which is funny because adaptation years later, isn't that what, like, that orchid is? It's that? like a blue. Oh, no, it's not black, is it? It's, it's like a blue orchid or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Anyway, there's some orchid. And a Bob's Big Boy statue, which if you don't know what that is, if any, if, if you've seen Austin Powers, you should know what that is. It's in Austin Powers. It's the big, like, it's this giant fiberglass, like, little dude, 50s dude holding a, a oh, yeah, burger. Yeah. Um, actually, when I first moved to California, like, we went to Bob's Big Boy, like, every other day <laughs> for dinner because we didn't have anything to eat and, like, we didn't know, like, where it was good and it was just down the road. I had so many... Okay. Anyway, um, so uh, the next part of this is directly from the paper magazine uh, article that I found. So I'm going to quote it directly because it's really, it's really cute. And it's really funny. So 
so it says K- uh, he Cage turned up to her Patricia's house the next day with a signed Salinger letter from a uh, letter from an autograph shop. Day two, he returned with a flower and a can of paint. Quote, I peek, I peek out the window and there he is with a purple orchid and black and a black spray paint can and he's spraying it, she said. Uh, then he says, I almost got to Bob's big boy last night. He, he told her, citing the giant fast food sculpture that would have been chained to the ground. I'm going back tonight with the right tools. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really cute. Like, just the idea of, like, looking out your window and seeing, like, a super young Nick Cage spray painting a purple orchid black. Like, it's just really cute. Okay, he's doing that outside a window. He couldn't have done that before. No, of course. He's, he, he wouldn't think that way. Okay. He would just grab the flower and he would grab, grab the paint and he would get excited and then we'd go straight there. <laughs> I wish someone... Like... I wish this was a reality in which I could do this to someone, but you just know that if I gave someone, like... I know. Someone asked me out and I gave them a list of things, they'd be like, fuck off. I know. (laughs) They'd be like, this this isn't worth it. This is like a rom-com thing. But also, too, like, if if there's anyone, like we said, if there's anyone to give a list of stuff to, Nicolas Cage is the perfect man to do it for. Like, he would get so pumped. Yeah. Let's take it! No. Okay. Seems right up his alley. I also like that he's just like, I have to get better tools and then I'll go get the book. Like, well, how is he going to, like, transport that? I don't know. Um, but so anyway, so when he did that, she was like, okay, stop. Like, you're crazy. Like, I don't actually want any of these things. Like, I was, it was just a joke. He's like, oh, she's like, I'll go out with you. So the, the idea was that they were going to go for, like, a getaway in Cuba. Because you have to remember at the time that they were, like, Hollywood people. Like, they were in the game, you know, Nicolas yeah. Cage's. Hollywood royalty. So, like their first so their first date, like... date, one of their first dates, of course, going away to Cuba is, you know, makes sense. But it did not end well. Um, so apparently they only made it as far as Mexico after a mix-up with their tickets. Um, Cage then publicly freaked out in the airport, and Patricia Arquette was just like, mm, I don't want to, oh, no. I don't want to go out with you anymore. <laughs> what was his public freakout? I wish I because he was he was mad about the tickets. Yeah, he was but mad. I want to see what he did. Was he like, oh, I don't know. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. So, again, this is from the Paper Magazine article directly quoted. Um, Arquette later told Rolling Stone that her, their separation was because, quote, his success was scary to me. I couldn't touch him. Cage was unhinged. The over-actor in real-life meme had previously tried to impress a girlfriend at Cantor's by throwing a ketchup bottle against the wall. <laughs> Quote, back then I was living out my fantasies of what I thought an exciting man should be, he told Rolling Stone in 1999. I wanted to be unpredictable and frightening, and I guess I was. <laughs> I mean, Patricia says that at the time I was pure testosterone. I can't really imagine myself getting that angry now. I haven't punched a wall in years. <laughs> so I just think, like, when he was young, young and stupid, funny, like, yeah. you know, like the Terry Wogan interview, you know, he's, he's you know, front, front roll rolling everywhere and, like, you know, doing karate kicks and just being crazy and, you know, with that weird energy he has, I think he just, yeah. But I think it was just a little too much for yeah. her where she was just like, he needs to tell uh, no. So... They were together for about three weeks in, then in 1987s. Well, eight years later, in 1995, Cage walked into the very same deli at 2 a.m. for a late night snack. And guess who's there? Patricia Arquette. And literally, like, a rom-com scene, like, <laughs> ensued. And then literally within, like, I think a few weeks, like, it was not a long time, um, Patricia Arquette this time actually proposed to Nicolas Cage. Oh. And this is a really cute 
weird little quote that is just like they were so perfect for each other like at that time in their lives okay so quote uh cage said this quote when she showed up to my house dressed head to toe in black vinyl carrying a big purple wedding cake i knew i was with the right woman (laughs) two weeks later the couple got hitched in a 10 minute ceremony with carmel california's former chief of police a lady preacher and a raft of otters as witnesses he wore a dark suit. She wore a leopard print jacket. They rode away in a blue Ferrari and off into the sunset. Like, that's, like, the perfect little, like, relationship for them at the time, like, yeah. for who they were. Um, and it's so why sad that... I know, it's so sad that it didn't, like, work out. Like, Do we from, know why it didn't work out? No, they were, like, notoriously private about their relationship. They didn't talk much about it at the time, and they only really started talking, like, a little bit about it now. Yeah. Um... But I think they really liked each other. I think they just really liked each other. And then, but they were just young and Cage is kind of nuts and their careers were going all different ways. And I just don't think it worked out. Just keep driving, keep moving, no stopping. We're sharks. We stop too long, we die. Um, so despite being super cute, um, their marriage was never really that stable. So according to an old ABC article I found from 2000, they were actually only living together for the first five months of the five years. Uh, for, sorry, first nine months of the five years they were married. So, <clears throat> which is interesting because it does not, it means that they were not happily married when they were in Bringing Out the Dead together in 1999. Well, maybe they were happily married, but they had come to some kind of, like, weird agreement of, like, well, well, maybe they both preferred living in different... I don't know, that's I kind of odd. I mean, I mean, obviously I can understand living in different places if you're not, if you're, like, just dating. I don't but know, but celebrities, though. Getting married always, together. Like, especially celebrities have, like, such huge egos you know sometimes it's hard for like two celebrities to like hmm, maybe live together you know like but in like a domestic thing because they're both so I like i don't know it's weird i wouldn't do that um but apparently according to this article um just a year after they got married in 1996 they sort of they essentially quietly separated and didn't tell anyone they still <clears throat> excuse me they still like appeared in public and, you know, after that, and they didn't say they were separated. They just didn't really talk about that much about their relationship. And then they officially filed for divorce in 2000. But before that, they had kind of, on paper, separated. Um, but when Cage and Patricia were together, though, they were happily married when Cage won the Oscar in 1995. So if you watch that, his acceptance, acceptance speech back again, he actually thanks his beautiful wife, Patricia. And uh, uh, everyone in my family, my gorgeous wife, Patricia. And I just finally want to say, hi, Weston, it's Daddy. I love you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, So it wasn't like the most long of marriages. I think it was longer than his, at least it was longer, I think, than his marriage to Lisa Marie Presley. Um, It was both their first marriage. So that's Cage's first wife is Patricia Arquette. Cage, of course, has gone on to marry twice more. Um, yeah, they have a really cute meaning story, and then, sadly, didn't really work out. Although, interesting to think that they did this movie when they were not, like, like, they were literally a year off from divorcing each other when they made this movie. Maybe. The movie. Maybe they had <laughs> Put a them fight on set. Mm. <laughs> I hope he finds someone in his old age. Me too. In his 50s. I hope he settles down. I hope it's not, like, a, a young, like, playboy model no, or something, I think he's learned you know? his lesson now. I think he's, he's lived the playboy life he's like 
He is know, a very wise man. He was all crazy in his youth. But he's and still now a he's man. probably all calm now and just wants to settle down. I and hope so. Himself. I hope he gets like a nice age appropriate yeah. young lady. Yeah. Who understands his Yeah, you know, who's his like or whatever. Like a like a Kat Von D type or something. But but like less annoying. Yeah. Yeah. L- not anti vax. Not as Yeah, not cr- like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like more normal. Please, Lord, bring back Abby Banging, Lord. You have the power, Jesus. You have the might. You have the super light to spare this worthless man. Okay. Mm, that was pretty much it. Um, if you want to see another Crazy Cage movie, watch Vampire's Kiss instead, where he descends into madness in a better way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or Taxi Driver. Or, uh, Adaptation. Or... Yeah. Or Leaving Las Vegas. Or Leaving Las Vegas. Okay. There's many. Alright. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs> Not the He's going to be drunk. Sobriety is killing me. Look up in the sky, Frank. It's full moon. And he goes... You dropped your smile, and Ew. then he gives me a, a book on Buddhism, right, <sighs> or some some kind of religious thing. Yeah. And he's like, first he told you to smile, and he gives and you then something he religious. Gives me some religious Fucking thing, hell. and he's like, "Where are you from?" And I'm like, "Hell." <laughs>